Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's time for another delightful chat with Richard Bellelli, this time with a surprise mystery guest, exploring topics far and wide, including the countdown to the final season of Game of Thrones is about complete. Is this new glasses enabler to see into people's souls? Bob Dylan, Bronco Billy, and prepare yourself as a spontaneous musical treat breaks out. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle figure of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dallas Podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast, episode 153. It's a Richard Bellelli episode, yes. and it can't be a Richard Bellelli episode without Daniele Bellelli sitting right across from me. It's kind of an important part of the thing if a Richard Bellelli episode to have Rich and Bolelli. How about that? Otherwise, you would be not a Rich and Bolelli episode. I... Welcome back, everybody. Happy spring. Yes, indeed. The, well, depending on which part of... If you're in the yes. Northern Hemisphere. Right. Don't and, want to uh, make our friends in, in New Zealand. Or even set. if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, but you're in Nebraska right now, you're not looking at happy spring at this moment, no. because based on what I've seen between floods and random shit, but where we're at... The days beautiful. are getting longer. Yes, indeed. There's flowers everywhere, all the good stuff. Let's get this open going with a quick thank you to some sweet folks, starting with onnit.com. Please check them out. That's what I tell you to keep things short and not bombard you with the 72,000 products that Onni has. Go check out their website, please, if you have never done it before, look at their various products, and uh, I'm sure there's something that, you know, if there is nothing that you can use, then don't buy. It's simple as that. But if there is something that you can use, please, that would be sweet to support one of our long-standing sponsors, and it's onnit.com forward slash Taoist. Uh, again, onnit.com forward slash T-A-O-I-S-T, and you get an automatic discount on some of their stuff, which is always sweet. Needless to say, short design t-shirt with the coolest t-shirts on the planet, and speaking of great t-shirts, in case you want our own Drunken Taoist t-shirts, you can write us. Or if you want any of the awesome um, you know, Drunken Taoist, in this case, short design t-shirts, you can go directly to their website and get them from them. I hear there's a lot of exciting chatter about a new one. Yeah, we're tempted to do one more Drunken Taoist t-shirt because uh, we just released uh, an episode of uh, History on Fire with Savannah's art that uh, it starts out from... Um, there's a great, it's the series about E.Q. Sojourn, and there's this line by E.Q. where he talks about giving oral to his lady in the kitchen, and so Savada probably figure 
excessively sexual. That's like my art. Perfect. I better get to draw on that. So she promptly did. And we are tempted to do a very limited edition because I'm guessing that most people will be too scared to wear that in public. But it's uh, good times. I'm thinking that could be a good one. So stay tuned for that. Uh, if you shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. This, I'm not sure if this is the last time or something close to it, but this may officially be the last time that we have Datsusara on our list of sponsors. So check out dsgear.com for some awesome hemp gear, bags, uh, clothing, and all sorts of other good stuff. Um, there is a sponsor that I'm going to mention right now. However, I will will keep it for a mid-roll since this is a Rich and Bolelli episode. We're not breaking up the flow of the conversation. We are going to have the sweet folks at Duke Cannon sponsoring this episode. So thank you so much to these guys. I feel cleaner already. Right? It's, it's uh, nice that you get a workout while you're in the shower. That's the idea. <laughs> so yeah, those soaps are about 72 pounds each. They are the biggest pieces of soaps you're ever going to see. It's not soap you want to send to somebody in prison. Because they want to need they need to get that soap back up on the floor quick in this fucking... So if you're not in prison, buy Buchanan. Absolutely. Be the way and that may even be a part of your game, you know, right. if you've got a dual shower situation going on. Oops, I dropped a 19-pound bar of soap. Can you pick that up for me? I'm in trouble. But especially if there's Bluetooth involved. But that's a whole different scenario. I cool. fell all apart there. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... Uh... I think that's it right oh of course i want to give a shout out to nevertapgear.com for making the amazing tomoy gods and rush guard designed by savannah also they have all sort of gear for uh, you know knee braces and things like that that for your workout needs i had the incredible uh, pleasure of going to go hang out with the sick call fellas again oh those guys are awesome and we went and did it at uh, refugio state beach because these smart vets know that they get like free access to all these awesome. So he's got his own beach pad for like all of the winter and uh, not a bad place to do a podcast. But it came up and they had an interest that perhaps it might be time for the first ever L.A. live Drunken Taoist. That would be fun. Those guys are awesome. I like them. And they if you great. guys have any interest in that, you know, if we get 40 people that want to do it, we'll fucking find a place to go do it. So That's funny you mentioned them because I just emailed Donnie yesterday just completely randomly. I haven't done anything for it. He's awesome. Yep, they they're are great, great cats. They're both great people. That's it. A uh, couple of shout-outs I forgot that are rather important. That's not it. No, it's not it. And these are good ones. So grasslandbeef.com the sweet folks have been sending us okay I'm gonna take that back and I'm gonna get hit by Rich real soon because they have sending stuff and have eaten it at faster than I could share it so I'm a horrible person so it didn't get lost in the mail it did not get lost in the mail I ate it all it's uh (laughs) so I'm a bad person the next time I swear we're gonna make sure you pick something that you want I did get the 15 pound block of soap though I see where it's going (laughs) (laughs) but so next time check out this website grasslandbeef.com these guys send you home uh, uh, anything from uh, duck to beef bison elk uh, chicken turkey you name it excellent i'm gonna go on a blimp and suggest that if you are a vegetarian this is not for you however if you're not a vegetarian this is some super high quality stuff it's amazing so check them out Um, can't go wrong with them and speaking of check them out the good folks at snow roast coffee 
um, they small batches, great quality coffee, 15% discount on their coffee if you use the code TAO and the number 18, T-A-O and the number 18. And with that, I'm going to shut up and we're going to officially start the episode. Bell the moment, boom, boom, boom. There's theme songs everywhere now. There are. You are a singing machine. Well, you know, just I, I've always felt jingles just dazzling through me. So if anyone needs a jingle, just let me know. Rich is the man. Okay. <laughs> and not only as a creator, but also as the singer. You well, need you know, his voice. A little bit of everything. Absolutely. <laughs> And I'll give my suave Italian accent for the introduction scene. That's a good plan. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Reachievers with... moment, boom, boom, boom. Exactly. <laughs> that. Perfect. So, on that, Isabella and their uh, interesting relationship with nationalism. Ooh. This should be a good one. The, um, so she's not a big fan of having to go through the Pledge of Allegiance in school. With those of you guys who don't live in the U.S. and are not part of places that require uh, fascist rituals <laughs> to be done every morning, the U.S. has this curious habit to engage in this hyper-nationalistic, like recite the Pledge of Allegiance, where you swear your allegiance to country, flag, God, whatever the fuck. All right? of it. All of it. Right? One nation under God. Which and, was added later. Yeah, that, that's like nothing creepy about getting little kids to mindlessly recite uh, something where they pledge their allegiance to the state and the nation. But oh. yeah, the, um, so in any case, is is not a big fan. So she decided for a while she was just kind of sitting there with the face like, yeah, fuck you. If you think I'm going to recite this stuff, this is just not going to happen. Then she decided, no, oh, I'm going to recite something. But she decided to create her own Pledge of Allegiance, which she dutifully recite. And it involves pledging allegiance to tacos and Nutella and to the miraculous powers that make such wonders possible. So it's, uh, you know, her, her primary allegiance is to tacos and chocolate. I think she can find some supporters in this movement. Right? That's not, uh, that's not, she feel like, yeah, I can stand, that I can, fo- I can fall in line with. Allegiance to tacos, I can do that. That's, I'm very partial to tacos. So all the power to tacos. More powers to tacos. Yes. Taco fans of the world unite. I, yeah, you'll find a few. Yes. So that has been her thing. Might have to uh, define taco. Right? Yeah, of course, because there, there's a whole uh, school of thought. Uh, it's an incredible array. Yes, indeed. Another thing is recently, not exactly surprisingly, considering that I am blind, blind as a bat. And uh, it's I glasses mean, time. literally, if I take my glasses off and yeah. I stare at Rich, who's like, 
two feet away from me, I can hardly see any features. And Daniele actually I, gets blurry himself. Right. That's kind of weird. I don't see How shit. How do you do that? I'm like borderline legally blind. It's pretty close to... Have you always had glasses? Did you get you yeah. at a young age too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there Absolutely. was no hope. And, uh, and Isabella's mom, Elizabeth, had not quite as bad as me, but pretty damn blind herself. So, you know, from the get, we were like, oh man, we ever have kids, this poor fucking kid is going to see nothing, you know? So does she get some cool horn rims or something? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be expressive, whatever she decides. She picked, you know what? I suck with details. So I remember getting them. I remember they work for her. I don't even remember what they look like anymore because I pay attention to nothing. But um, it was pretty interesting because after putting them on, she immediately said, wow. But rather than say, now I can see clearly or now everything is sharper, you know, the normal things that you could expect. She, she said, now I can smell tacos better. But almost. She said, wow, now I can see into your soul. Oh. Before I could only feel your soul, now I can see it. Which made me think that maybe I got the wrong kind and rather than the regular glasses you get at the store, I dump into a pile of the day leave glasses, which in case you're missing this glorious reference to the joys of cinematography, they leave with Rowdy Roddy Piper, who was an absolutely large... Was That's it? funny. I didn't get that. I thought you were saying they live. Oh, no, no. The, they the movie. live. Yeah, thank you for translating. Yeah, no problem. I didn't yeah. even get that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, th well, those are great to have. A yeah. bit scary, though, because apparently everybody's a monster now. So Yeah, remember those glasses yeah. where you put the glasses? The, the whole premise, if you guys haven't watched the movie, is, uh, you know, was it 1980s, early 90s? Probably, probably 80s. early 80s. Yeah, I think it's John 80s. Carpenter movie, too, if yeah, I recall. it was 80s. My close personal friend. So the whole thing was that he finds this pair of sunglasses, and when you <clears> put them on, some of the regular the people on the street, some are regular people, and some are these like demonic beings from outer space who have taken the semblance of regular human beings and they are Sneaky the ones bastards. running all the corporations, the media, the banks. The... So it's an ultimate conspiracy wet dream, you know, in a, but in a really funny kind of way. So the, how do you say, they live? They live. Thank you for pronouncing it correctly. Yes, so, yes. Well, I don't know if it's correct. It's just uh, not so much accent on it. And I think my... Maybe I should have asked because I'm like, okay, now that you are seeing into my soul, yeah. what exactly are you seeing? Because I'm a little worried about the answer there. But, <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. Uh, That's let's... always an awesome notion. Do you remember the movie Frailty? No, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, I'm trying to remember the actor's name. It's the guy. He was in every uh, Paxton, Bill Paxton, who died not too long ago. But um. He could see the demons mm -hmm. and was constantly whacking people's heads off with axes and nobody else could see him. So they all thought he was crazy. Yeah. Usually when you start uh, yeah, demon a, hunting great, and yeah. uh, that tends to be a bit of an issue. Especially if you might be right. Speaking of joys of cinematography, if you haven't seen the TV series that's um, The Evil Dead, not the movies, the actual Ash the versus The Evil Dead, it's right? Season they did. one or season two you refer to? Uh, there were three seasons, but this quote Already comes three? from... Yeah, the, the first... Everything. First was awesome. Yes. Second was so so. Third is awesome. See, I so, didn't. I, I dropped off on the second one. It just go back for the third. The third is good. They got it third, back. we're back in. A, but on the second, there was a little pearl there related to what you're just saying, where the guy says, "This is Ash. You may know him as Ash's Lashy because he went crazy and chopped up his friends." And Ash replied, "That's not true. 
I did not go crazy. I knew exactly what I was doing when I chopped up my friends. <laughs> so that's how like your uh, your guy for I'll, I'll mention since we are at it I had nothing to do with Isabella moment but might as well you know when I find the shows that are particularly bizarre I sometimes take down the, my favorite quotes and there are some quite a few of them from I'll give you just a couple from uh, from this one there's a moment where Ash is short on money to pay for a bill at the restaurant and so he turned to the waitress and goes I have a gift too. I can make sweet, sweet love to a woman like no other man. The reason I bring this up, and he stares at their name tag, Nancy, is I'm not going to be able to pay that check. But I think I've got something much more valuable that I can give you. Much more than uh, $22.89. Double that at least. So Nancy, would you like me to string your racket? You know, they say waitresses don't get big tips. Well, that's about to change. The thing that's hilarious about Ash vs. Evil Dead is that he's the most despicable character in the history of movie making. Yeah. He's fairly racist. He says horrendous things on a regular basis. And no mirror you put in front of his face ever make him think that maybe there's something slightly off with what he's saying. <laughs> like his self-confidence goes forward unchallenged despite all the evidence to the fact that he's kind of an asshole and there are issues with what... None of them gets in, and he's just funny, man. Yeah. Is, um, oh, another somebody. How'd that go over? I'm thinking she didn't dig it the way he hoped she would. No, actually, I think it, she did. Oh. I think it does work, but she turns into a. Yeah, exactly. Another one somebody tells him, the only person you're willing to lay down and die for is you. And he replied, well, that's because I'm very important to me. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, the always, this um, is going to be my official family motto. I am done conversating. Time for some fornicating, which is always pleasant. But yes, so Ash versus the Evil Dead. If you're missing out, now you know. Are you all caught up on Game of Thrones? Yes, ready to go for the new season. We're rewatching after season seven. It's a delight. It's awesome. That show is just amazing i mean when they're marching off to go collect up the white walker to show to cersei yeah and that that their own magnificent seven the conversation of those previous enemies all hanging together on one mission may be one of the greatest scenes i've ever seen yep i agree no and there are some awesome awesome lines from there and uh that also is my list of quotes from uh uh, that I have in my file. Because, you know, when I find great writing, I'm like, I got to write it down. I yeah. need to remember what they what they are like. And and there are some really great stuff in that one. Like, I just have the show. How about these characters that have shifted over eight seasons? Jamie Lannister. Yep. The man in the trailer claims that he's going to fight for the living yeah. and to have come all the way around. I don't know. We'll see about that. I, I agree. You never know. Yeah, but, we um, shall see. But uh, it sure is intriguing. Check out Jon Snow from season seven. I'm not going to swear an oath I can't uphold. When enough people make fool's promises, words stop meaning anything. Then there are no more answers, only better and better lies. That's basically social commentating on what's going on out there all the time, right? uh, And that's actually one thing that I find really cool about it is that 
there's a lot of lines in there that are basically observing reality right here and right now and yeah. giving you a front seat to what's going on. Oh, the whole one, uh, who cares whose skeleton's going to sit on the Iron Throne? That's a genius you know, if one. If we don't give shit enough about taking care of the aquarium we live in, uh, what's it going to matter? That you were in the tallest building when the That's CO2 it. level reached a point where no one could survive anymore? That's the one, man. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, it's like uh, Sir Davos. If we don't put aside our enmities and band together, we will die. And then it doesn't matter who skeleton sits on the Iron Throne. Whew. Holy shit, that's brilliant. And tied with the same episode, and I don't think coincidentally, there's Tyrion saying, people's minds aren't made for problems that large which is the other big problem that we're facing, that the real shit, you know, why do people argue about meaningless shit most of the time, stuff that really doesn't make a difference in yep. the great scheme of things? Because they feel that they have some say-so on it. The stuff that really matters, the, the real stuff that's, forget the political bullshit that people deal with all the time, the real stuff is played on a level where as an individual, good luck feeling that you feel There's they have you can do any power it. on it, you know, is... That's so true. I mean, that's what that's what has me so excited about the new film project. It's finally something where on the grass on the grassroots level, it's all about you know, if these farmers switch from just sending their cattle out to graze endlessly on fields of single species, you know, grass to chew on, rye mm -hmm. or whatever is easy to grow. Um, that's the reason the soil is dead. They've been squirting it with fertilizer that kills all the organisms within the soil, and they've been doing it for a hundred years. And now we're at yet another almost dust bowl level. Right. And the simplicity of running cattle over, which obviously the way we eat cheeseburgers around here is not going to go away anytime soon. You can make that a part of the solution mm -hmm. by instead of sending them out in a giant pasture, you actually confine them a bit and not confining on the level of a factory no, farm. No, no, no. Like, like in the grass and to allow the grass to recover on its own. Once that kind of fertilizer gets laid down, seeds that have been waiting 20 years to grow again, the the incredible amount of species of plant that's available, which is actually better for the diet of the cow. And these this is like a five-year experiment they've been going on. The cows double in weight. Yep. They don't use the steroids anymore. The, 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 the medical issues with the cows go way down because they're getting these crazy blends. It's okay for a cow to have some sunflower and some mm -hmm. legumes and some grass and it's actually better for them yep and by kind of pinning them in and just going from one paddock to the next every day the competition rises up bossy doesn't have time to nuzzle around and find the stuff she likes the best she's got to eat so they gobble it all up right so much like we used to be hunter gatherer style when we had that different fauna going into us we were all much healthier yeah because you're not eating one thing all the time no, you're having 40 access or to 50. a whole exactly and that's yep. the amazing thing once they start shitting up these pastures so the idea is they eat it for a day a third of it gets eaten a third of it gets trampled which builds thatch into the ground which introduces other wildlife and a third of it's left to grow again and you just rotate them every day. Yep. And within five years, some of the most desolate, terrible-looking soil you can imagine is back to life. The microorganisms are back. The worms are back. And you're being part of a documentary about this? Yeah, there's a, they've been working on this project for a while, and now they're going to... Um, they're the official editor? Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited. I dig it. Because it is, like you said, it's impossible to fix everything in every direction, but this really is something. Because once those microorganisms get back to work, guess what they pull out of the atmosphere? carbon right 
Right, right, right. So when you look at these, you know, where they've cut down the rainforest and all this, or like these plantations that they've only grown one thing and now everything's sucked out of the soil and even the fertilizer doesn't work anymore, it's not the end. You can start this on really bad land. Right. And within five years, the biodiversity's back. And within 15 years, you know, it's something that can last. And to me, that's more of a political act than like 99% that goes under the heading of politics. Yeah. Because the reality is that most of the time people yell at each other, nobody changed their mind, everybody strut around thinking that they want something. They can film themselves, put the video on YouTube saying, so-and-so destroys the guy from the other side. You know, And it's all bullshit because at the end of the day, people, the only people you have convinced are the ones who are already on your side. Yeah. And you haven't destroyed jack shit. It's a complete, there's no objective standard by which a debate is won in that sense. What interests me are those kind of solutions, the things that it doesn't matter whether you are religious or atheist, it doesn't matter whether you feel one way or another. This shit is the stuff that makes life possible. The proof is in the pudding, as they say. And it provides objective results that help anybody that I'm interested in big time. Well, I am only got my feet into the water even barely. I've only seen a couple sets of interviews, but the one I'm going to see today mm-hmm. is when they go to the neighbor whose daddy, you know, there's a great line. A guy says a 60 year old white male is probably not going to change his mind about anything. And this guy did. Right. So now he's talking to his neighbor who is like, it'll never work. And this is five years down the road, which a fence dividing them. I think they were talking about counts of birds. He's got four species. They have 30. Right. And it's just because when you make, you know, when you make the land healthy again, the animals know what's going on. Yeah, I'm more for that slogan. Make the land healthy again. I kind of like that better. That's an easy one, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you would think, right? But people are so confused right now. I don't know. It's between the the cult of celebrity where, oh, we didn't even talk about the cheating school students. Oh, yeah, yeah. How does that make these big universities look? It doesn't surprise anybody, I don't think. I think we've always known. Well, Jared Kushner is a perfect example. How do you go to Harvard? Have your daddy put a $5 million building up. No, but I mean, the only thing that surprised me is the, you know, I'm always confused by the law because there's some really crazy shit that people get away with and never do any time for. And then this one, I mean. Destroying the entire economy in 2008? And this one is like, don't get me wrong, it's fucked up. But I've seen so much worse. And the reaction is so heavy in terms of legal persecution. and things like that. I don't get it either. You figure you murder somebody, you know, it's like, that's. And again, it's bad, but in the great scheme of seeing, eh, but I get it, you know, it's like then, you know, just when I'm about to say, oh, it's bad, but whatever, that you see like the daughter of so-and-so involved in this scandal was on the yacht of the guy handling the board of regents for the school. Mm-hmm. Really shady oh, shit. Oh, no, but so. his daughter was friends with her. Oh, I'm sure that's why that 19-year-old was down there on that yacht. I'm completely sure that's why. Gross. In any case. <laughs> I, know, I don't get it. Get a gun and you can rob a bank. Get a bank and you can rob the ward. Yeah. Right? It's the total like, truth. It's how it works. It's just weird. There's definitely um, a little bit of inequity out there. Just a tad. Just a tad. You know. Anyway, that was way off track. Game of Thrones coming up. I'm going to watch the first episode in Hawaii. Check you out. That's the first time I've been back for more than 47 That hours. does not scream winter is coming when you have your... Well, we're going to go hide. Pina colada. Maybe Mai uh, Tais, actually, but yeah. Cool, cool enough. We, uh, we decided we're going to stay up in the rainforest. That's cool. Because we... 
kind of got the ocean thing down being only four miles away. Right. And see it every other day. We figured we'll leave that to the people from Ohio. That makes sense. And I've not been in a rainforest. And they like it's awesome. lizards and chameleons everywhere. and It's beautiful. Yeah. I can't wait. Only took 25 years. Should be fun. <laughs> well, that's the Elizabeth. Elizabeth. That's the Isabella moment. Yes, indeed. Which morphed into something so different. Yeah. They live. Definitely check it out. Um, and Frailty. Definitely an excellent movie as well. Just yeah. um, you yes, don't know until you put the glasses on. I'll check it out. Dun, da, da, da. It's story time, everybody. Let's make it happen. I'm always hoping for Topless Duels 2. It's not. It's actually, we're going to be doing... Um, a song as literature. Uh, this a song? is a great. Yes, this is a great. If you guys haven't checked out the greats, uh, I, I'm not a fan of the music most of the time, but Bob Dylan as a songwriter, mm. holy shit! So I'm, this is a song. My favorite version of this is by uh, Pearl Jam. Uh, there's a version of Masters of War. Oh yeah, by Bob Dylan with. Man, the way Perjam does it is so powerful. It's so incredible. So let me read. And you can guys. understand the lyrics. Yes, you can actually get what he's saying, which helps. Which actually, you're not going to understand because I'm going to read it. But, or do you want to read it? What shall we do? Just read away. Let's I, I play. We'll get it. So check this out. I can do the Bob Dylan translation. Masters of War. Masters of War. <laughs> it goes. Come, you masters of war. You the build the big guns. You the build the death planes. You'd have built all the bombs. You'd have hide behind walls. You'd have hide behind desks. I just want you to know I can see through your masks. You'd have never done nothing but to build and destroy. You play with my word like it's your little toy. You put a gun in my hand and you hide from my eyes. And you turn and run farther when the fast bullets fly. Like Judas of old, you lie and deceive. A world war can be won, you want me to believe. But I see through your eyes, and I see through your brain, like I see through the water that runs down my drain. You fasten all the triggers for the others to fire. Then you sit back and watch when the death count gets higher. You hide in your mansion while the young people's blood flows out of their bodies and is buried in the mud. You have thrown the worst fear that can ever be heard. Fear to bring children into this world. For threatening my baby, unborn and unnamed, you ain't worth the blood that run in your veins. How much do I know to talk out of turn? You might say that I'm young, you might say that I'm unlearned, but there's one thing I know, though I'm younger than you, that even Jesus would never forgive what you do. Let me ask you one question. Is your money that good? Will it buy you forgiveness? Do you think that it could? I think you will find when your death takes its toll, all the money you made will never buy back your soul.
profile, Mr. Bob Dylan tells us how you really feel because yeah. I don't think we quite understood here. No, he's a bit upset. And I don't know if you're totally getting out by that anger, but uh, yeah, that must have been at the peak of Vietnam, probably. And the thing is, it could be at the peak of any time, of course, because especially this these is days, a good old uh, Eisenhower warning about the military industrial complex. Mm-hmm. This is what I mean when I say that most of the political stuff that people argue about doesn't mean anything. This is the real deal. This is where the degree of power that is behind uh, something like the military-industrial complex, you know, all of the industries that make insane amounts of money over defense contracting. Well, what's the problem with that? You know, you need a strong military. That's great, but guess what? When industries become powerful, and start getting the kind of money that can buy politicians, that can buy influence in government. And that industry happened to depend for its profit to keep coming in to have a good war every so many years, because otherwise it's hard to justify spending that much if you have this big military that you don't use. Yeah. Well, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a whole bunch of wars that, when it's in the best interest of the nation, rarely, you will get that war. But all the other times when it's not in the best interest of the nation, it's you the best will get a whole... to the guy selling helicopters. Of course. That's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. It wasn't too many years ago, maybe even six, that the army came to the Congress and said, we don't need more tanks. Right. We don't need any more tanks. Yep. And the four representatives who lived where the tank factories were said, oh, no. Of course we do. Of course we do. Yep. Of course. And it actually cost them more money to have them sit in a parking lot somewhere and have to be greased and lubed properly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's how it is. And I mean, I think that's the problem with, uh, you know, we think that a lot of the arguments about shit are ideological. They're not ideological. They're about resources. They're about money. Five to six trillion dollars spent on war since 9-11. Yeah. We haven't solved anything. We've killed at least a half a million people. I hear the real numbers more. There's four million and all we've done is made enemies for the next six, six, seven generations. Yeah, and that's the thing, man. Is like where the money's, as Dylan would put it, where the money's that good, people will think that it's worth it. And, you know, they'll have, I am sure that 90% of these guys will have their way of spinning it where they can go to bed and think that they are the good guys. We're protecting America. You know, they will, the human mind is wonderful in its capacity to make up anything you want to justify what's in your best interest. It's kind of like, isn't that funny how back in uh, slavery days, in the North where slavery is not economically viable, suddenly a bunch of people think slavery is evil. Yeah. And in the South where it's important to make sure that money keeps flowing in certain pockets, suddenly slavery clearly is a moral and ethical system. How else are we supposed to get this done? And I'm actually 99.9% sure that for most of these guys, they meant what they said. They believed it. They were not just saying it like, okay, what evil lie can I make up to justify this shit that allows me to make money? They played that game with themselves. They convinced themselves first and foremost of their own bullshit. And they will selectively seize the passages that help them feel like they are good people. And they'll ignore all the evidence to the contrary. And then with that, find a way to just go like, this is the right solution, is the moral solution, and hey, look at that. It happens to be the solution that happens to make me a lot of money. And it was, happens to be exactly what's going on right now, except right. now you get your $9 an hour. Yeah. 
so for the same insanity. Do you see that they're pulling the rug on this trick that was, was kind of undone by the previous administration? But the idea that these people get promoted to manager positions, so now they um, can work as many hours as they want. They don't get their hourly wage anymore. And next thing you know, as a manager, you got to be on call for everything. So you're doing 70-hour weeks. Right, making $38,000 a year, so you're actually making less than minimum wage, and that just got to prove to be cool again. And it's exactly the same. Now, I'm not saying slavery versus $7 an hour is equal. Sure. But as a society, it seems to work the same way. Well, and the thing that to me is bizarre. And those guys you were talking about are telling the same lies to themselves. of course, of course. I provide a wonderful... It's the legal amount I have to give them. Of course. And I think that's the problem with uh, issues that are too big to solve, meaning they are on such a scale, they are so intrinsic to the way our society functions right now that it's so much easier to get outraged at some silly bullshit that doesn't really change anything in the great scheme of things because when it comes to changing these things, reality is most... I would say almost everybody's powerless. It's like even the people who are responsible for this stuff, they are a cog in a machine that's bigger than them. It's almost like it really kind of makes you feel like the Duncan, Duncan Trussell demiurge. Like there's almost this bigger than a human. Like there's a degree of poison that pervades society today that seems almost greater than the people pushing it forward. Like, it seems, and again, I don't want to say, it's the devil doing it. It's the <laughs> but, demiurge you know, back to get us. But, you know, there's an element there where it seems like there are certain structures that perpetuate themselves, and the uh, characters involved in doing that are really cogs in the machine more than the main actors doing this, which is even scarier because if you think that there's some bad guy who's pulling up this, all the strings, yeah. well, fuck the bad guy, go after them, we'll beat them, we'll, that kind of stuff, right? But if there is no bad guy, if that one bad guy who's pulling up the strings, uh, there's another and then there's another and then there's another and then it doesn't really matter which one it is because the game will keep playing itself over and over. Yeah, and, and the responsibility of the people that just are there to muddy the waters anyway, that you never can come to it because every time, oh, well, it just gets blurred away and the, let's keep arguing about the Kardashians and horse shit like that yeah. when the real important stuff never makes it to the surface. And really, I think because people feel powerless to make a difference on that. So, you know, there's no... There's actually an episode that's, if we're releasing these at the beginning of the month, I think there's going to be the next episode is going to be a chat that I had with um, Chris Ryan. It was actually for his podcast, but I ended up enjoying the conversation so much that I asked, hey, do you mind if I can steal the file and we can use it for Drunken Taoist as well? Were they trying to talk you into a threesome again? No, not quite. Oh, okay. but, well, I'm, I'm sure that's the subtext. That's the what I hear. The, no, and Chris was... Um, you know, one of the things that we are coming up with, one of the things that pops up is that a lot of this shit that we're dealing with comes from a misguided selfishness. Because if you're really selfish, if you're selfish and you're smart, you realize that for you to get what you want in life, for you to create conditions that are that deliver happiness and long lasting, you're going to have to create that stuff for other people around you because you're not isolated from the world around you. So you're going to have to have a healthy environment that's with clean water and good clean air. You're going to need to have a neighborhood where not everybody's there hitting each other, trying to screw you over to get, you know, you're going to, 
So to me, at the highest level, selfishness and altruism go hand in hand because you're doing it for yourself, but you realize that in order to get a good life for yourself, you have to create a good life for others. So what happens at the selfishness with six zeros on the end of it when they don't think that way anymore? Well, I'll make my fucking money now. I don't care how many Bhopals I have to destroy as long as we get paid. And if they want to sue us in 10 years, I'm already going to be gone anyway. And I think that's where the Chris Ryan conversation goes and where we explore quite a bit is that sense that that is a selfishness of people who are lost as fuck. And while they are horrendous monsters, they are their own first victims because most of these people are miserable in their own lives. And so the only way to feel better is to see, hey, I piled up more zero behind the one in my bank account. Now it gives me the little bit of ego satisfaction, which is the only satisfaction they ever feel. Because when you look at like, you know, when you look at even the average super privileged person, they are on antidepressants as much as the next guy. They are miserable as much as the next guy. They are, you know, they are not fucking happy at all. They just happen to be their own, you know, their own, they are the victims of their own choices and they happen to be a lot more comfortable with everybody else because they can afford the uh, designer depression medication <laughs> versus the, versus the, this you is know. Fresh from the labs of Switzerland. It's drinks awesome. Some, it uh, out, drinks of wow. uh, cleaning alcohol as uh, your depressive medication, you know, but that's really the difference is one is down in uh, rubbing alcohol and one is down in uh, the elite. <laughs> the tears of, the of children. Exactly. But, There's a factory of that in Guatemala, actually. Just but at the end of the day, over and over again, just collect the tears. That's how Dick Cheney stays alive. Right? Fucking I, a big glass, eight ounces of children's tears every morning just gets him up and going. It's my own Twilight Zone episode. It's gonna be great. I think that is correct. Yeah. Right. And, uh, Tonight. And so that's what I feel is like. Yeah, these people are monsters, but they are monsters who are they are fucking themselves up along with everybody else, which doesn't make me feel that much more, and oh, poor guys, no, fuck you, you're still part of the problem. But you also have to understand that they are not winning shit. They are not winning the game. Their idea of winning is just piling zeros in the bank account while their own life sucks. See, I don't get that. I don't get that. I think, And maybe the money spoils you so terribly that you have no control over yourself. But, but God, if I was Jeff Bezos, who was a guy who didn't come from everything. He actually built this thing. Every motherfucker that worked for me would be making $20, $30 an hour without any question. Why does it matter? I have one less billion at the end of the year? No, you have fucking employees that actually brush their teeth and show up on time and ready to work and excited to work. It seems so simple. It is, man. It's, um... But again, I think it's, it's very hard for anybody to figure out how to be happy. And I think that's what it boils down to, that when you don't know how to make yourself happy, you don't know how the fuck to have a life that's not depressed, ultimately where you feel that you are an asshole, that you feel worthless, that you feel that you have these 10,000 doubts, where you feel all these things. Like most people don't have a fucking clue how to even start creating a happy life for themselves. So people who are nice are just gonna be somewhat depressed, try to do their best and struggle. People who are not nice are going to be like, well, I'm miserable and fucked up. At least I might as well get, you know, they, they convince themselves that if I just play this game and I come up with the most money, then, then I'll be happy, right? And in the process of their misery, they will shed misery on everybody else. You know? But don't we find like 
tribes in the Amazon and things like that, they don't have any of that. Because that whole, what is it, the notion of like the two original crimes were cowardice and um, theft or greed. Selfish, yeah. The, and I think that's what it is. Is like, I'm not saying that there's no such thing. It's impossible for anybody to find a way to be happy. I'm saying it's hard. Well, it is and hard, most but people, by God, you know, you got to look around and be thankful for things. I mean, especially if you live in this country. I agree. I and agree. I'm telling you, flipping burgers and shit ain't great, but goddamn, it can be worse. Yep. I'll yeah. never forget. I did a movie about Darfur as they were wiping these villages out, yeah. and there was a child eating grass out of a cow's ass because it was the only food he could find. Yep. And if you live in a world where that exists, you don't deserve to complain about a fucking thing. Yeah, no, it's... Um... And here we are. Oh, my, my daughter can't get into school because she's dumb as a bag of fucking rocks. Let's throw a half a million dollars at it. What could possibly be wrong with that? I mean, that's where it gets crazy. Yeah, but the thing is, it's interesting to me how, and I mean, it's not just, it, there is an element of, hey, look around and be happy. But there's an element that when people have never been taught to be happy, have never had a role model for anybody who's happy because all their parents and grandparents and everybody they know is on fucking 72 medication or drinking themselves to that. Is not, and you live in a society that doesn't really, in, like, that's not, we don't have the gross national happiness, it's about money, right? Then you don't even know how to go about it. You look around and you're like, okay, you can live in the Garden of Eden, right? And you have access to every cool thing in the world. But if you don't have that flip that allows you to know how to enjoy it, you can be handed all the coolest stuff on earth and you're still screaming against the glass saying, let me out. I, you know, it's kind of like the, even in the movies, the image of the living dead, right? The image of, uh, what was it in? Uh, They're happy like when they get some movie. brains, that's like for sure. Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Where the pirates are cursed and the thing is like, I don't, I have access to all this stuff and I don't get to taste it. There's this amazing wine and it goes right through my body and I don't feel anything. I don't feel the breeze on my face. I don't feel the awesome food that's in front of it. I don't feel the touch of it. I don't feel anything. And that's what it is, is these are people who are evaxed. And again, many people are depressed as fuck and they have nothing and they have even more reasons to be depressed. But there are people who have access to all the coolest stuff on earth who are just as trapped because they, nobody has told them how to turn on that switch that will allow them to feel those things, that will allow them to actually draw enjoyment from it all. Now I'm depressed. Well, that just seems unfixable. And if, you know, cutting elephants' tails off and shit like that ain't going to make you happy, what will make you happy? Yeah, well, and that's, I think, is the, to me, the number one conversation that's really interesting is how do you, how do you make, how do you create happiness? How this is do, what Chris Ryan did right before he asked you up to the bedroom. Yeah. Right. He's like, this is a great conversation. Let me show you how, baby. <laughs> uh, how 70s of him. Yeah. Studio uh, 54. That's right. Yeah. I saw they did a documentary on it. It just came out in Studio 54. And it is insane. And these motherfuckers talk about greedy. There were three piles at the end of the night. Piles that they act like we made. Pile we give to each other. And they had millions of dollars stuffed away in boxes and shit when the cops rolled in. Of course. Didn't even, just never, making fine money. And even even like the, the IRS guys were like, if you're going to skim 12%, is no problem. They were skimming 80%. Of course. That's and it's the done. biggest thing in the world. And it just, that's yep. some, that just amazing. It's a drag, my man. By the way, we had, as we are recording, we had a visitor walking in. <laughs> 
Mr. John Torres. John is uh, was my roommate in college. Oh, far out. Was uh, I've known John for like seventy two thousand years, and, <laughs> and we share the same birthday. I think we are what four years apart. Four years, four apart. years apart. Yeah. Yes, indeed, John. Uh, welcome surprise having you yeah, on the Drunken Taoist. It felt a little bit like Mr. Rogers, like I just came knocking at the door and, and was welcomed into the middle of this. I didn't know I was walking Daniele in. washed his feet. It was crazy. It was really now beautiful. I understand. It was very beautiful, for sure. And but, I'm right, I just felt like I've jumped right into a hot one, too. Right? right on we the, were like right in the middle of a yeah. rant. We where finally like, became frustrated yeah. with the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, it all is called coming down today. I feel like I'm mediating in some ways just between your life choices right now. Like right. What, what happens going forward? feels like it's uh, on the edge of a knife here. Yeah. John, uh, John, by the way, has one of the greatest singing voice you'll ever hear. I remember, uh, yeah, I remember, yeah, even in college at that time when you were, he would just, you know, bullshit, play video games, do his <laughs> sing, and all of a sudden he just, you know, regular fun life, college student, and then he starts thinking and everybody goes like, holy fuck, who is this guy? Because he has this voice from... A better word. Were you guys at UCLA together? We were indeed. Were yeah. you a performance major? Or? I, I was an English major and a, and a marijuana uh, advocate. Advocate. And, <laughs> well, and look, major. What, look how well you guys was really, pushed this forward. It's really wonderful. My wife was just talking about this. Like, yeah, I, I'm texting my friends back and forth because I'm getting straw bales yeah. delivered because I grow weed and straw bales. Love and it. here in California, kids, yeah. every adult in the house is six plants. That's and by God, I grow those motherfuckers <laughs> like trees. You're in your quota. You know, yeah, feed your people. <laughs> indeed. And um. Just because we were in college in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, back then in Tennessee, the oh. idea of weed being legal to where you could Oof. grow it outside and just have a good time with it. Pipe dream. Inconceivable. Yeah, absolutely. As the princess bride would say. And yeah. here we are. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah. So I was texting away because I have a few friends that want to try it this year. So yeah. I have my disciples that are going to be planting their own, and I'm so excited about it. But it struck me, these texts that I'm sending... If I was sending these texts in Tennessee oh, about you got to get the blood meal, the straw meal, we'll get the clones. Wow. I mean, when we drove from Clone World, there's Clone World down in Studio City if yeah. you need clones for your garden. Yeah. And we had like 40 of them wow. because we were kind of handing them out to last year's disciples. And it was the thought, this ride from studio city up to oxnard would have been would have been fucking nerve-wracking you would be yeah. getting 20 years yeah. back home. easily because they would measure that as each plant each plant's at least five hundred thousand pounds so yeah. see you later multiple counts yeah of course and 900 years in prison now if i was betraying the country yeah that had been like six hours yeah of course no problem. Oh, time served so totally. be on your way yeah but um I don't know. It's exciting, and I feel bad. I, I visited Kentucky yeah. in October and uh, wanted to bring presents oh, for everybody. Is that one of the states that still know? Or? No, no. T two joints in the car will get everybody in the car taking the Oh, jab. my God. That's frightening. I didn't and, know that still existed. And nobody could grow. How many states are holdouts now? Gotta be 20. There's still 20 holdouts? Holy crap. I think Kentucky finally at least is allowing medicinal. Okay. But yeah, like pretty uh -huh. much every red state is like Jeff Sessions oh, style. Oh God, I didn't realize that. It doesn't make no sense. It's so frightening. The only thing that's really saving is all these old people and these CDBs are saving lives. And mm -hmm. what we had, I don't know if you remember, Robin Weed was the cat that was bringing these healing medicines mm -hmm. like children with epilepsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They grabbed that motherfucker up. He's going to prison. Is he really? Yeah. No, he probably won't, but he definitely had to, to quit. Make him a, yeah. Because yeah. Oh, he that's was, terrible. Uh, 
Yeah. And he was telling stories. He's of these the guy little with the girls. Charlotte Webbs. That that guy is that the same dude who uh, the girl in was it had to move to Seattle or Canada or somewhere Portland to. He was, was dealing. I don't it. know if he was dealing them directly. He was actually like going into like Michigan and these really unconfirmed states. And, oh wow, he was. The Robin. And they would be wrapped into these permanent seizures yeah. and. Come on. 45 minutes, they're talking again. Can you imagine being trapped in your body like that and they won't allow a medicine that grows in the ground Mm -hmm. where the Lord put it? Yeah. Or Satan put it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the devil. We, I mean, it's just beyond, beyond, beyond mind blowing. Yeah. So you have a musical? I do. I have a musical coming out in, uh, in May. Check Uh, you out. Yeah. Kind of nutty. A transition from college. Like, look at that. Right. All the weed smoking. it you helped know, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. What? Uh, what's the uh, deal with the musical? It's interesting. It's a. Um, it's, it's a, a musical ball. retrospect of Bachman Turner Overdrive. I wish it were that uh, interesting. <laughs> it's based on a Clint Eastwood screwball comedy from 1979 called Bronco Billy. Oh, that's funny. It's like a weird Americana right. country random thing. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's just it honestly it's just like a wholesome kind of family ish show. That feels like a good, like a good escape from things that, like what you guys were talking about, right? Right. right. Where is like dark, wide, destruction? Yeah, why is Jeff Bezos la 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 play a little for a while? Right. (laughs) Play a little for a while is never a bad idea. I I did want to make a point to what you said earlier because I was like, I, I so uh, you you said earlier about why doesn't Bezos just like give one billion dollars to fixing shit? And I have this theory that I, I think that. and you, you basically said it, but it's uh, it's basically that I think that character is pretty much fixed, and what happens is you give influence to character, and you still have the same character underneath. Mm-hmm. So if Jeff Bezos is the kind of guy who had a thousand dollars, he'd be doing the same shit with a thousand dollars, but we wouldn't notice it because he'd be a douchebag, right? Yeah. But now he's a the biggest richest person in the world, and that same you know if you'd steal a quarter off someone's desk, the same thing is like now affecting a billion. I mean, a billion lives. It's kind of like Trump. We didn't notice what a complete con man he was prior to him being president. We didn't care. We kind of knew he was, but we didn't care because it only he affected me. Mis- clown and totally. only people in New York were miserable. And some Miss Teen USA people. That's what to me is like body language fascinate me. And I don't even consider it body language like, oh, you need to look at oh, what angle is the guy standing and is he tilting the head to the... I'm not doing it in that way, mm-hmm. just vibe. Mm-hmm. Like to me is like, if you look at Trump... And you don't feel that the guy is a psychopathic yeah. con man from day one, you know, when he was doing his reality television. It's like yeah. there's no conversation we could possibly have that's going to bring any further clarity because it's like looking out at the sun and say there's a sun out there. And if you don't see it, there's, you know, we can, you know, go out and eat together. We can be pleasant with each other, but we're not seeing the same reality. Yeah. Similarly, and, and, you know, pick Trump just because you mentioned it, but, you know, there are like 10,000 different people that people follow and like and i'm like okay rewind before the guy opens his mouth we're done there's like how the fuck can you look at this guy and tell me that there's anything there because if you don't see that there's every last hair on his head is screaming evil evil yeah i don't you know at that point none of this is this conversation <laughs> no conversation we're gonna have is gonna be well, forget evil evil how about just stupid stupid <laughs> yeah. well there's that or vice versa that's even more mind-blowing yeah. or vice versa the positive cases right yeah. where you see somebody they haven't said one word and you're like 
this person is already say human being. Yeah. They may be really smart. They may not be that smart. It doesn't fucking matter. In terms of heart, in terms mm -hmm. of energy, you know that this person is this human being. Now, that does not matter that all Some their solutions... it, man. What can I say? <laughs> doesn't matter that all their solutions are going to be great. Maybe they aren't. Maybe they haven't thought that. But, you know, as far as the energy of yeah. the guy, you know whether somebody is... Uh, bad news or there's something to work with you know but the level we're at right now is is, is mind-bending when we got another coal guy that's going to be the head of the epa and like look what wilbur ross was trying to pull up i mean the insanity that mm -hmm. they do not give a fuck if the planet implodes no problem yeah yeah of course because it's um, uh, surely there's enough of us to get our pitchforks together and take care of this shit, you know. And you, you do the number, you yeah. know, you've got three thousand billionaires, millionaires. Yeah, we got three hundred million people. Okay, this so is, we can dress a hundred thousand with pitchforks, and that's a we lot may of, lose thirty, forty thousand yeah. in the attack. Yeah, this is so fucking what? Yeah, the pitchfork industry would boom. I'd be investing. This is I the already sign yeah. that. Uh, this is the sign that I've been spending too much time online. Oh yeah, I'm, I have memes for everything now. <laughs> I've seen one of what you're saying where there's like pitchfork and uh, torches out there and there's uh, the king up in the castle and the guy whispering in his ear is like don't worry about any of this just tell the pitchfork people that the torches people are trying to take away their pitchforks and you'll have no problems that's after actually that excellent they're plan. gonna yeah. be killing each other yeah. and it's yeah. taken care of spoiled again Done. yeah it's the gig but it um is. So what are you singing these days? What are you doing? I, Tell me about music. Man, I am... Um, the musical, I'm sure, is a big the deal. The musical's kind of been the big thing right now because we're literally, like, we just cast it and we're, yeah. like, in the... Th and I've never written a musical before for my... I, musical theater is something I didn't... I You know, I watched, like, television, you know, the, the sure. movie musicals and things like that, but I didn't... I'm not a theater kid, nothing but ever like that. ever since you saw Greatest Showman, it was like, that that's did it. it. Now I this found is my it. calling, exactly. No, it, 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 it's been this kind of thing that just keeps coming back. Like when I was in college, right around mm -hmm. that same time, it was like friends being like, you need to, can you play Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar? I'm like, I've never done a theater song before. That's a good starter role, isn't it? Is that a good right. training wheels one? Easily. And, you Not know, a lot Ted of time Neely on stage. Solid. I actually watched that one. Did you come see that one? I was there and I watched it. That was a, yes. that was a, it was a fun, a fun time. I recall that. You know, and, and so that's kind of come up over and over again, but most of the, most of my career in air quotes has been just me writing songs and recording and which i still do I, of course know, just kind of make the rounds playing shows and things you know like what that. i recall of <laughs> one of your many uh, a version a version of yours of stand by me oh yeah that would get people quite trial yeah up. that was in Where an acapella was, group uh, i was in at in college which is what you do when you're in college you're in course. an acapella group and uh that you was meet a, hot singers and, and that it's a good yeah it's a good way to up your game when you don't have game Right. Is to be in an acapella group. So all the young kids listening, go that, join one. Well, speaking of go, uh, right? speaking as you don't have game, let's test that out. Mm. Couple of verses from Stand by Me. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> Let me just stretch. And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we see No, I won't be afraid No, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me So darling, darling, stand 
burn me Oh, stand now, stand by me Holy shit! <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. What else you need? <laughs> that is what I'm talking about. All just editors like, are failed musicians. That's just the way it is. I'm just saying. Put the quarter in the jukebox. Say, hey, why don't we go start? And boom, there he goes. I'm Holy more. In, I'm. I'm more excited about Rich. Can we take this on the road? Is uh, what I'm. Anytime you're you know, ready, man. I mean, my kids are grown. I can do anything I fucking want to. <laughs> I love it. But amazing. you see what I mean? Is like this is like video games, play, let's smoke a joint, and then he starts singing like this, and everybody in the room goes like, "Holy fuck! Yeah. What's happening?" That's here? fantastic. Meanwhile, while while I was smoking joints and playing video games, I was gonna say like you always seemed like an adult. Like he was like you're four years older than me, but I he, I thought you were like 35 when I met you, and I was you know. Somebody said it not in a complimentary way. Was we were having a conversation. It was like. I think I was 18, and he's like, Jesus fuck, he's like, I'm having a conversation with an 18 year old grandfather. Serious? What's, what's <laughs> when, I, when I met you, you're what, like 25? I don't know. How old were you? I don't know. Four year difference. So you must have been like 20. That's maybe cool. even younger. I think younger. Cause it's, that's uh, preposterous. Yeah, man. I think we met. You were probably 19. I was 23. Something that's like that. That's preposterous. Yeah. Like you seemed like a 30. Like you were, you were a tutor when I met you. Right. He was like, because he was, uh, I took Italian from him. That's where I met him. Is I was like, because my mom's from Italy. And so I was like, I got to learn some Italian, which I don't think I did very well. But this guy, I met this dude. He was tutoring Italian. And it was like, yep. This yeah, guy's yeah, got to be yeah. like a, he's like a father and a, and meanwhile he's 23. Yeah, it's, uh, I think he's uh, the legend about Lao Tzu, right? The legend of Lao Tzu is that his mom was pregnant for 80 years and when he finally popped out, Lao Tzu was a full grown man <laughs> with white beard and white hair and he was born laughing. That was, right? shit. I was, I, I was four pounds and came out breach and my mother's still pissed <laughs> off, so... I've got to venture, I guess, and suggest that that story is probably not literally true, mm. but, oh, you know. one of those. One of those. Close, <laughs> close enough. Yeah. Yes, that would explain like a lot a about my life. Yes. <laughs> That's a, right, don't have, don't have only, ch only children, right? Yeah. They grow up weird because they hang around with adults all the time. And they, I mean, I look at like Isabella, it's funny because it's like, she's probably as weird and maladjusted as I am in some ways. Yeah, I'm right behind you. And at kid. the same time, you have conversations with Is and she's like, it's like a smart yeah. adult would not have that vocabulary or that ability to put together a conversation. Yeah. And it's just like, holy fuck. How old are you again? Yeah. Nine? Yeah. I'm sorry, let's try that again. Yeah. And yes, only kids are strange beasts. Uh, for we're raising one. So those first days at UCLA, did you have to bring the gold blooms and put them on the bear? That's what I hear, that um, everybody has to what did we do give the, the tribute. I sat on it stone yeah, once yeah. In, at 2 or that 3 a.m. in the morning. Right. That's about yeah. as close as I came to interacting with the bear. Yeah. I thought everybody had to bring their gold there to get and into the school. To get it, well, well yeah. in other ways, the UC regions yeah. that mine that they are pounds of flesh. And uh, oh, I see. totally has UCLA been? Uh, oh yes. in this thing too. I thought it was wow. just USC. Their logos on the list. Wow, really? I heard it's two hundred plus people named or something, and that the ringleader accepted twenty five million dollars in bribes. Pretty much advertised it. Yeah, I'm actually the, the thing that this I'm most outraged about this story is that nobody tried to bribe me. I'm like, can you imagine if they offer me five hundred? I'm like, See? no, I'm morally outraged. Yeah, 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 if you'd yeah, had yeah. fifty more dollars, your Italian Absolutely. would be fucking primo right now. They just, 
exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, this is obscene. How can they do it? How much money do you offer me? Yeah. I'm sorry, try that again. And I just have to yeah, put a good word in. Yeah, he's like, yeah, this is a great athlete. Solid. I vouch for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, some javelin thrower who's living in poverty somewhere missed their big chance. Missed their big chance. And yeah. could have won gold. UCLA could have had that damn track and field. Ugh, but they don't care about that. No. I've sort of been amazed because I ended up in Kentucky. University of Kentucky was playing my alma mater, the mighty Middle Tennessee State University. Nice. Murfreesboro, Tennessee. But we've had really decent teams, so we had a decent chance against the SEC schools. Mm -hmm. And to fly into Lexington with like four gates at the airport and mm -hmm. nothing but bourbon and horses. Mm -hmm. anyway, it was stunning how is almost identical to the way USC does the games, the way, I mean, from the fireworks to the introductions to the music to, there's no flavor anymore, man. It's all packaged. Totally. And these sort of big schools like that, that's all that matters is the damn football team. Absolutely, yeah. They pay for everything else. Yeah, because they bring sure. in a shitload of money, I mean, that's yeah. for sure. The top totally. paid state employee in 48 states is a football coach. Really? Wow. I did not know that. Of course. That's an interesting one. Not so surprising. forget about the governor. Yeah. So I just, it's madness. It's frightening. Slightly campfirey as we speak. Right. I like it, so. So let's jump into these guys. You know, sometimes when I'm in the middle of a busy podcast, I just feel a little grungy. Like, if only I could clean up a little bit. I, I wonder if there's somebody out there that might help me clean up my act. You are in luck, my <gasps> dear friend, because this month we are being sponsored by DukeCannon.com. And I believe that I noticed your bicep size has increased already by lifting that bar of soap because these guys... There are brickle blocks that yeah, are lighter. Than are, their soap is just... You know, if you can save up on workout equipment if you get their yeah, soap. Yeah, do some nice curls there in the shower. Humongous, biggest bar of soap ever. It's like if there is such a thing as a manly soap, this is it. And it smells great. I chose Campfire. What? Campfire is awesome. Which kind of sound odd at first, but um, the wife was like, um, she's got sandalwood and th other things going on inside there. And she liked it quite a bit as well. That one is great. Plus, it's good. That you may need a partner in the shower. Just to lift this thing down. And oh, but does it suds up wonderfully and make all your clean parts cleaner? Yep, we do like that a lot. They also have uh, shampoo, they have uh, deodorant, they have uh, aftershave, all sorts of cool products. So I'm going to go on a limb and suggest that most of you guys use deodorant, use soap, use shampoo. So if you do such a thing, how about you check out the sweet folks who have sponsored this episode? and see if you can get your shampoo soap needs taken care of over there. Where will we get a hold of such fine things? You go to dukecanon.com, duke spelled D-U-K-E, canon, C-A-N-N-O-N.com, and you use the promo code DRUNKEN, as in Drunken Taoist, to get a 15% off. 
also free shipping on orders over $35. So check that out. Fantastic. Well, Duke Cannon, thanks for uh, thinking of us. And I dig the soap. I can't wait to try out some of the deodorant. So this is an interesting one. Changes as far as history on fire goes. Um, da-dun, da-dun, da-dun. This is where you sold your soul to. Um... That's what some people think. I tend to think otherwise. And it's funny because I'm saying it in an episode where I, I don't know whether this goes before or after that segment where I just finished saying how people have a way to rationalize things when they bring money into their pockets. Okay, wait, when the Illuminati shows up, you lined up, so what can I say? maybe... Let's find out. You guys be the judge whether I am guilty of that myself or not. And I'm sure opinion shall be divided. Well, my opinion is I hope it's a massive success because your show is fantastic and it should be well received. So that's the gig. So history on fire. Here is what happened. Um, As you guys know, I'm sure by now, I've been doing history on fire since, well, I've released the episode since September 2015. I work on it for another year and a half before that without releasing episodes because it was a long way to just get started having enough material. So I put a shitload of time, right? These are like, these days is fun is, speaking of being one's own slave driver, I put in like, I pretty much never work before 1 a.m. Like I never stop. Like I work, 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 work all day. Eventually I like to change that because it's just too much. So here is what happened. The point with History on Fire is that obviously it's a bit of a different kind of podcast from what we do here. You know, what we do here is we write down some ideas. We say, hey, let's meet up on that day. We get here, we get the mic going. We have a blast. We laugh, we chat, we improvise. Sometimes we even get dressed. Occasionally, not often, but you know, like we do our best for it and uh, so you know the amount it does it take time yes it takes time does it take some energy yes it takes some energy but you know proportionally speaking history on fire is like fucking writing a book every month is you have to spend well over 100 hours an episode in some cases more than that you got to do read 10,000 books put them together in uh, notes format clean it up record it's a whole, I mean, we call it podcasting, but they're dif- two different things entirely, right? The chatty interview podcasts are a very different beast from the solo build a narrative kind of podcast. Uh, that's why Dan Carlin releases two episodes a year, right? That's basically what's going on. So the offer came at one point. I received this offer to put History on Fire on a subscription service. And initially I was like, as a nice offer financially, it would have been way more than I make now. But I was like, I don't want to change the model. I'm a little hesitant to mess with something that I feel is working. But then at the same time, I was also thinking, 
yeah, that's great and all, but realistically, there's no way that I can keep up with the rate at which I've been releasing an episode. There are not enough hours in the days for me to do everything else that I do in life and teach and correct exam and be a good father and do this, do that, and put out 15 episodes a year, which is a shitload of time and energy that goes 15? into it. 15? Yes. That's now, wait a minute. You said it's six weeks of reading. Six times 15, that doesn't yeah. fit into a year. Uh, no. That's because the six weeks of a normal person working eight hours yeah. a day. If you only work 16 hours a day, then it's all your problems are fixed. You're folding space. That's why you got all that spice over there in the corner. I knew there was something up. That's why it's, you know, realistically, you can do it for a while. And it's even fun, but it's not sustainable. You know, there's no way you can, no matter how Joan fun of Arc something book is. book 17 was fun? Yeah, ex that's what I mean. It's like after a while, it's like, oh, okay, this <laughs> is great. And when you're done, the next month, there's another one. So moral of the story, I realized that continuing History on Fire would mean drastically slashing the output, which sucks because, you know, I didn't want to put out less episodes. People are used to it, but at the same time, let's be real. And so when then we went back and forth with this company called Luminary, where they said, um, you know, they got, they got a bunch of crazy big names on from uh, Conan O'Brien to Russell Brand to a bunch of big shot names. And they were interested in History on Fire, which on one hand is, I appreciate, is like, oh, shit, take, look at that. They're being taken seriously with big names. This is sweet. And, you know, eventually they tried to, address my concerns, some of the issues I had. And among them was like one of the things that I said, like for me to even begin to consider it, I need to leave some History on Fire episodes out there where anybody can find them so they don't completely disappear. You know, at least a few of them need to be on iTunes, on Stitcher, on all the free platforms. And I want the Dan Carlin close. I want at least two episodes a year to be released freely to anybody, right? So I feel if I can match, well, I can't really match Dan because each one of Dan's episodes is 87 hours. So that's probably not quite a match. But, you know, if I can, in episode numbers, if I can match Dan and put out two episodes a year free and then I get paid well to produce 13 more, we're talking. Now, how can I produce 13 more if I just say that I don't have the time to do it? Well... The kind of contract they give me would allow me to do things like, for example, friend of mine, awesome human being who just went through some major shit and lost his job. Hey, look at that. There are 10,000 things that are taking up my time during the day that I don't want to deal with, that he needs a job. I need the time. Hey, and these guys are giving me money so that I can pay him and hire him to help me out so that I actually have time to dedicate to History on Fire and I don't have to be at, up at 1 a.m. every night to do so. Or going to Chris Ryan's house. Right, that's also, well, that's where the threesomes take place. <laughs> the, you know, so it's, so to me, I was like, you know what? It kind of makes sense to me. I see the, I'm not saying uh, the free podcasting model is dead, screw it. I, no, hell no, I like it. I dig it. That's why we keep doing Drunken Taoist in this fashion, right? So you're going to get, People who listen get two free episodes of Drunken Taoist every month on purely donation basis, which, sure. History on fire. Drunken right. Taoist will still be free. Yeah, that's what I mean. Drunken Taoist will be free two episodes a month, right? History on fire, you still get two episodes oh, a year. I got you. And uh, the rest will be. So the point being, I'll still put out a shitload of free episodes out there, but these begin to look interesting to me. 
Now, some people, the reaction for the most part when I announce it on Twitter, Facebook and stuff. Don't most, sell your soul, man! No, most people have been awesome. Most people <laughs> have been awesome, both whether they are like, yeah, sure, make per... Because, I mean, Luminar is like, I think, $8 a month or something like that. Not for me alone, for having access to all of their podcasts, which is like 30 different podcasts or something. So some people are like, yeah, sure, what the hell, $8 a month, no problem. Other people are like, either I don't have the money or there are way too many things that I have to give $8 a month to... Uh, so, but they were still polite. They were like, you know, wish you the best of luck. I understand the motivation, but not for me. I'll enjoy those two, three episodes a year. And that has been like 99% of the response. There has been, of course, the fuck you. Well, not exactly directed. Even then people were mostly polite to me. They weren't directing it to me because I think they understand the struggle that goes behind it. They were more like, oh, I don't like that model. Screw that model. This is going to be the end of podcasting. And uh, I had one, one guy, remember we were on a podcast, um, they were very nice about it, by the way. Remember we were on the Grimerica podcast at yes. some point? He sent me a message on Twitter that was, uh, he said, uh, what are you going to do when they run out of all that venture capital money and go bankrupt in three years? Which I'm like, first, I kind of hope that's not the case. I mean, it's obviously a gamble anytime you create something like this, but I'm hoping that's not the case. But my reply to him, assuming that his worst predictions were correct, I was like, I'll sit on the beach, drink tequila, caress my lady's breasts, and count my money. How about that? I think that's my plan for what to do in... Uh... The, the real disaster was we need a time machine to go back and convince Corolla and those folks back then to charge a fucking quarter. Yeah, I mean... Because once you offer right. everything up free, and we can't get 10 people to give a dollar. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, I mean, the three... And that's just the, the reality of it. If you don't think yeah. it's true, fuck you. I don't give a fuck because I certainly have the numbers to prove that there are 10,000 people showing up and no one's got a dollar one time a year. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what it is. It's like realistically, like, for example, with the History on Fire kind of numbers, if everybody donated $3 a year... You'd have a much nicer house. I would have, like, crazy money, yeah. right? I would be... And that's not asking that much. No. I think Duncan always had the greatest thing. You'll give Bank of America twenty dollars to get twenty. Uh, you have two dollars to get twenty dollars out of the of foreign ATM, but yeah, you yeah, have two course. bucks for the people that provide you with free shit for seven years. No, and I get it. You know, I get it. I don't get it. As a I mean, of fact, because I'm a sucker. When Wikipedia asks for some money, I fucking use Wikipedia all the time. I send them the three dollars. Yeah. it's not that big of a problem. And I am by no means, you know. Daddy Warbucks just yet, but wait till I am, God damn it, because I'm going to burn coal, and I'm going to kill elephants, and I'm going to do all that fucking shit, because I'll be rich and won't give a fuck anymore, and, and get AIDS from porn, porn stars, and all that fun shit. What? Rich revealing his true self. We finally... Ah! <laughs> Feels much better now. Happy now? Yes. Good. It's time to go destroy some things. Yeah, hopefully that's not what I'm doing with podcasting. Hopefully well, I'm doing, um, no, but I mean, again, people have been super cool, but again, the, the reality is I hope you guys understand whether you can support it or whether you decide that's not for you still hope you understand the motivation behind it. That really was just getting to a point where continuing doing what I was doing was basically impossible. You know, it was just physically there are only so many hours in the day. I hope it's great, man. It's a great list of people and, like uh, Trevor Noah, one of my favorites. If you've never listened to Trevor Noah's book and it's good to listen to it because he does a lot of it in Afrikaans and, and a couple other languages, mm -hmm. which he knows many. Um, 
his audiobook is fantastic and he's got his podcast on there and you said Conan as well and Russell Brand and yep. a bunch of people so it seems it's what's it, great you know. is it's going to expose you because your show is great even if it does have that fucked up accent but what can we do about that um, and it really opens people's eyes man I think of the importance of Dan Carlin I never forget that Magellan episode was the first one of Dan Carlin awesome. I ever, and that was because it was only ninety-one hours long. So right. Well, this one you could possibly digest. That is funny. And just the eye-opening fact that he ran and stole the ships and was chased across the Atlantic—that's mm. the first ten sentences. So you really do bring it alive, and um, I wish y'all success in the world. Yeah, man. So let's see how it goes. It's an interesting experiment because you know, on one end, it certainly brings. Uh, to the creators involved in this, it brings a level of economic security that most podcasting relying on donations is never going to bring. And that's just the reality of it. We'll see. You know, it's, it's an experiment. Like anything that's basically trying to change something, we are going to find out how it's going to go. For obviously personal reasons, I hope it goes very well. And it turns out to be not not an uh, elimination of what podcasting has been up until this point, not an alternative in that sense that it squashes the old model. I hope it's an alternative like a plus. You know, you want all the free shows out there and anybody can make a podcast, plug in a mic in the computer. Great, I like that. That's a cool model. But also if you want stuff that requires a lot more work, maybe a subscription service is not the worst thing in the world. It's worth it. It takes a few minutes to get this shit together no matter what it is. And... um... Well, that's great. So that is what's going on. I'm Maybe sure he'll I'll... speak to us after, you know, we, we knew him when. <laughs> right. Back in the old days. Uh, plugging in the Tascam four-track recorder. and Daniele, the rich capitalist. That's, I'm sure that's what's going to happen. I tell you what, at least it'll be good wine. Right. That's always. And maybe for once it won't be stolen. It will actually be paid for. Wow. That would be... No, actually, speaking of wine, there was the great folks from Aum Aum. Winery. Who, sellers, rather, that's their, who um, once in a while donate their awesome organic wines. That makes me shed tears of gratitude every time. So I was just bitching about people never donate. The sweet folks at Aum Cellars donate their are wine. Few, but the percentage is pathetic. Yeah, of course. It's always low. That's how so it is. Thanks, everybody. No, I mean, that's the thing. Is like if you like, if you guys like free stuff, it's probably not a bad idea to support it to make sure that it stays uh, viable and alive. Nope. And again, supporting doesn't have to be crazy money. Just once in a while, just let them know. I mean, the other day, for example, I totally stole something from YouTube where there are these, uh, these ladies, they have a cool group. I promptly downloaded the MP3 and I'm like, this is cool, but these are people who are alive. They are not dead artists from long ago. They are people who make their living today on that art. You know, if you are telling me that you grab some music from some long dead artist, pff, still only one for all I care, right? You don't think Lead Belly, Belly's going to come for you? But, but, uh, but in this case, you know, it's like I downloaded the MP3s and right after I was done, I was like, you know what? Fuck me. This ladies live in uh, Georgia, not part of US. Georgia's in uh, former Soviet Union. I'm sure 20 bucks can go a long way. So it's like, thanks for the music. Thanks for the song. I downloaded them that way because I couldn't find them on your website. But here you go. Send, you know, it's not, 
it's not gonna kill me to do that and it's a nice gesture toward people who are actually creating content so i'm sure john has no opinion on what napster did to the songwriters i'm yeah and, and i'm a billionaire now so of course. I, I don't have to worry about such things because that's spotify that 19 oh, cents is yeah, spotify million, gives you every yeah, six months yeah totally a million dollars a week I'm, I'm just hand over fist money i was in nashville when that went down and it killed the songwriters yeah because yeah. you know imagine Absolutely. 1986 yeah even later 1990 yeah you get a nice hit on a Faith Hill record. Mm -hmm. Not even a hit, mm -hmm. just a cut. Yeah. Four million copies. Totally. Yep. Nobody sells four million copies of anything, anything much less anymore. in the first no, month. No, the top 10 is like a couple hundred thousand Isn't downloads. is that crazy? Like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And I'd it, like to propose a something though that uh, to the, you know, the fans out there that can make this happen for both of these podcasts. Like, I want to see more live events from you guys. Like, I think there's a world where that model can be introduced to this show because... We're not shy. You know what That's I mean? That's a cool like, one. And I, I would just challenge all these crazy listeners out there to like host them organize them make it happen people Look, if we had 50 people that in la wanted to, trips. for that to happen no problem totally and we'll go anywhere totally i think that would be really fun the live event model is i think you know I who, knew, it. who knew it would be albania first what yeah yeah no exactly the let's start with la right <laughs> but <laughs> it, is, it is crazy uh, i mean when you go down you know they break it up by country totally. and it's like there's some guy in kazakhstan that's listened to every fucking episode I gotta be that. him i love that because it's like you know, you know 78 four, six, two, one, and then one 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 kazakhstan totally. every yep yeah, he's. I mean, it's not a problem that he has targets of both of you in his room and he's right. knife throwing at them in the in the evening. It's gonna happen eventually. Yeah. Kazakhstan listener, we deeply thank you. Yes, <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah, we're down for that anytime. Be rad. Cool. And the Bronco Billy thing is it called Bronco Billy? It is called Bronco Billy. It opens in May at the Skylight Theater in uh, Los Feliz. Who's playing his old girlfriend, whose name has escaped me, who just died? Um, oh, wow. In the, in did Sandra you see Locke. Bronco Billy? Of course. What the heck? That's that's a deep reference. The, the writer... The uh, the 70s. Dennis Hacken is the guy who wrote the original screenplay, and he's actually written this with us. Oh, he us. did the book he's, with you. Yeah, and he's going to love that you knew that reference. That's incredible. Oh, um, she's going to be gorgeous. Yeah, it's a, a, a young actress named Catherine McDonough who's uh, just an incredible singer. And again, it's musicalized, so it's like a bunch of these just incredible singers are just uh, killing it. So Awesome. Yeah. Country needs help right now. We're sort of at that stage. <sighs> Good Lord. Because it sounds like rap music with a steel guitar right now really does somewhere out there is the new Merle Haggard actually I may have heard oh. him local guy in Lexington he's like Merle Haggard yeah. meets heroin addiction that's awesome that he survived and it's Experience. awesome oh I want to hear oh I'll send it to you please do but we'll pay for it yeah or Daniele will now yeah. that he can do that yeah the, uh, that's, Daniele, that's the one the thing I could capitalist <laughs> these kids in school don't understand that when you take your brand new copy of the CD you bought. I don't even buy CDs anymore, but and <laughs> rip it and give it to two thousand yeah. people, and they don't even do that anymore. They just they won't even listen. It's like if it's not on Spotify already, they're like or YouTube. Right? Oh, so they don't even search. They won't even iTunes no. anymore. No. For, that's too much. Okay, work. so I'm if we're so bitching, behind. let me just do that for the <laughs> fun do. of it. You know, it's no, like the door is open. so. This is how sometimes with the history of fire on the free model has work, right? And yeah. that's where sometimes you know I pull out my three remaining hair because it's <laughs> there's so you got. People, you know, to make it work, I'll get ads, right? And I'm lucky enough that, hey, there were actually people who are willing to pay to put some ads on. That is so sweet. Hey, you have too many ads. This is really annoying. It takes wow. 10 minutes to get to the content. And I'm like, well, besides the fact that there is a fast forward button, yeah. but okay, I hear you. So how about we do this? I'll give ad-free version of the episodes. 
to anybody who's donating five bucks on Patreon a month. Uh, Patreon is an evil corporation that's repressing free speech. I cannot support that. Okay, I hear you. How about I manually send you each month an ad-free copy of uh, History on Fire if you donate via PayPal? I don't have a PayPal, and I don't really want to set it up just for this reason. It does take 40 seconds to set it up. Right. I can understand. That's a long time. And so then you can see... I could download 800 songs in that 40 seconds. When you get these a lot... That's when suddenly you can start seeing it where you have somebody who say, we're going to pay you throughout the whole year. You don't have yeah. to do with any of this shit. That looks more and more attractive. You about any of this, man. It's a Absolutely. great opportunity, and I'm glad you're taking it. I hope it fucking works like gangbusters. Absolutely. Because, you know, I, I just want to hang out and sell T-shirts with Savannah as she rises the ranks. So totally. right. you know, that's my big goal. The, some of the first <laughs> the episodes. The $10 ones outside. Yeah, right. Absolutely, yeah. Everybody is. So the first episodes I'm going to play with, I'm going to do a Roman army versus German 2000 years ago, which is, in case you guys don't know, possibly one of the reasons why we speak English today here, yeah. or whatever approximation of the English language I speak. That may not exist, the, the battle gone differently, yeah. so that's a cool one. I'm going to do a couple on... Um, Martial arts. I'm going to do Jigoro Kano, the creator of Judo. And now, basically, if you ever done martial arts today, it's directly tied to this guy wow. because of the influence that he has had. And, of course, good old Bruce Lee because Bruce it's Bruce Lee. Lee yeah. right? And Ikiru is up right now. Isn't that the new one? Ikiru is out right now. Yes. In the last episode, so through the old model, there's uh, an Ikiru coming out. In yeah, By the time we release this, it will be out already. Mm. Two episodes about the life of Ikiru Sojun, the greatest, the coolest, the most fun human ever. I have my safety gloves on. I'm going to reach inside the digital mailbag full of, well, full's not exactly the word. Why didn't anybody write any questions? Oh, we got somebody. Mr. Oh. John Billet. There it is right there. And by the way, I say John. I don't know. Is there a difference when there is or there isn't an H? J-O-N? No, those are both John. Okay. Usually enough. you get the J-O-N when it's short for Jonathan, which is just J-O-N. Gotcha. Or if they're just being crazy. Either way. Uh, question regarding online studying. You know, both in terms of schools and extracurricular, you know, like learning through online means. Um, it's tricky in the sense that, I mean, I teach actually in college, both in person and online and in hybrid format, which is a little online and a little in person. It's weird because there are plus and minuses to to the whole thing. Like on one end, on the like to me, there's no substitute for in-person, face-to-face interaction. Just because you meet people, there's more to communication than I mean. I'm saying it on a podcast and it's ridiculous, but there's more to communication than somebody's voice or their ideas. Yeah. When you are face to face with somebody, there's a whole different interaction that takes place from body language to who knows. The tiny little the air, yeah, yeah. Or who the, knows. the way the skin reacts or your pupils. There's dial, it's things that we sense that do not come across on video. So that to me 
is super important. Yeah. Um, and there is no substitute for it. So on the other end, your hybrid classes are those are the actual the lectures are recorded and then you can watch them at any time. Is that how it works? I or? kind of do. A, you know, I put every single line like it was an online class, but right. then we hang around in class and I'll talk about some of the stuff that's recorded and you get the live version of uh, what's out there. So and you miss out on the class interaction where everybody's asking questions and exactly digging deep and you're yeah. Now in theory that way the in-person stuff is way cooler in reality it depends it depends on who's teaching because if they are not charismatic and engaging you want to shoot yourself and mm -hmm. then you're way better off being online where you can get some shit done faster in the privacy of your home in your underwear at 2 a.m while they're eating ice cream rather than having to deal with being at a precise time fully dressed at that place screw that so that's when online becomes considerably more appealing. It also becomes considerably more appealing if the people in the class you don't click with. You know, if you run into really cool human beings, you meet them, you can become friends. That's more important than anything. But if you walk into a classroom and... Say it's Stanford. And you get nothing out of it, you right? You can't make any friends. Yeah, and you're like, what's this shit? And you're not connecting with people. You're not connect Then it's a giant waste of time. You know, because the reality is that you can get the same amount of information online faster if it's just about the information. And sometimes it is, you know. So sometimes, like to me, it's like if you're taking a really subject that you don't enjoy, then online is way better. Because you get in, you get the stuff done, you get out faster, more efficient. Because you're not going to ask any questions anyway. You exactly, don't exactly. And if anything, the online forces you to participate. Like anybody can type behind a computer, as we well know. But few people will actually talk in the classroom in a more direct kind of fashion. Right. I wish actually some of, like normally, you know, that's another thing about the culture. And sorry if I'm going off track for a second, but... It's another thing that I notice about the culture changing. Um, I used to have zero problems in the classroom, right? Where there would be no people always happy and enjoying lecture and this and that. And now number of people who are ready to be angry way faster with each other. And in some cases, even with me has grown exponentially. And contrary to what people think about always oh, like some uh, crazy social justice warrior, there is that a little, but there's also the other side, right? Like I mentioned, for example, man, this one was hilarious and I swear I'll get back to online in a minute, but I'm speaking in class and I'm mentioning now during World War II, you know, one of the things why the propaganda was the Nazis are bad and evil is because they had horrendously racist Aryan superiority ideology. And yeah, we can look at it and say, yeah, that's fucked up. Nazis, bad, bad, evil, racist guys. When you look at what was going on inside of the US, you know, the ideas of white supremacists were alive and well. Black people still served in segregated units during World War II. There was uh, institutional segregation in many, many states. They and, filled Madison Square Garden with Nazis in 1938. And, and the rhetoric, like the white supremacist rhetoric was... I wouldn't say totally mainstream, but pretty close. You know, it's like very... So my connection there was like, you know, all the pointing a finger at the evil Nazis. Yes, absolutely. But the ideas regarding white supremacists in the US were 
were at least they are not comparable because of course the Nazis were way more extreme but at least they were in the you know you cannot get to the Nazis unless you have that as step one yeah. you know and then you go many 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 steps forward and you get the Nazi stuff two or three steps but you know that was exactly my point right <clears throat> dude flipped out and he was like how dare you compare uh, the evils of the Nazis with what was going on in U.S.? You know, you are an American hating son of a bitch, and blah 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 blah. And I was just like, "Holy shit!" And I got and just for the sake of okay, look at the as, as much as I deeply despise uh, right wing politics, I get that from the left as well. Last semester, I got somebody that. I dare to make the argument that Obama foreign policy wasn't really all that different from the foreign policy that we have had with Republican presidents and stuff. Guy flipped out. How dare you compare the two? And he's like, uh, just like, holy shit, people are so much angrier than they. It's because of daylight savings time. Throws uh, them off. Right. Keeps them on edge. And I think, honestly, a lot of it is people spending time on social media talking shit with each other. And so yeah. they are much more Riled. ready to go. I'm ready to fight against the infidels who believe in. I'm like, holy shit, man. But in any case. After this longest tangent, back to the original point. Um, discussion online tend to be way more polite. Oddly enough, you know, it's, it's actually, this is weird because it's the opposite of what happened in social media, right? Discussion online tend to be way less polite than they happen in face-to-face -face interaction because in face-to-face -face interaction, you have to deal with the consequences. But in my classes where it's specifically required, hey, if you're going to talk to each other online, you need to keep it polite, you need to focus on finding a bridge with whoever you're talking to. When they are writing, they know that their ass is on the line, depending on what they write on that stuff, because, I mean, you cannot go insult people and expect that that's going to be tolerated in a college setting. But when they are in the classroom, the button gets pressed that they can stop themselves and they just, ah, and they get mad. It's funny. I wonder if it's also, you know, if you're taking the class online, you know, you're paying your money for this. You want to get something out of it. It's not really time to rant and rave and cause a disruption, especially if it's going to cost you grade points or something. Right, so. right, right. Which, that's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to remember who you are anyway, and I'm not going to dock you because you say something stupid. I don't care. You know, it's like, whatever. But, so, but when it comes to online yeah. when it's a requirement that if you write stuff it needs to be in good english it needs to be addressing the point and it's then yes that will cost you points because it's content it's not just oh you are being an asshole to me or something that's pretty fascinating yeah so they'll behave when their schooling's on the line of course oh man you should see every communication is Oh, I can't believe what a good point you made. How I didn't think of it that way. This is Thank so interesting. Thank you for the question, Senator. I would like to address that. Every interaction is like that, which I, <laughs> you know, as fake as that feels sometimes, yeah. it's such a welcome break from all the online hating going on all the time. That so, I'm wondering with this question, is he referring just to sort of the online that you're doing or is he referring no, to some of these evil like Phoenix universities and all these sort of... Well, and I think that's the difference, right? Some yeah. online stuff is they are, they are diploma meals, right? They are just make you mm -hmm. jump through, through hoops. It's nothing to do with learning anything. Put a stamp on, look, you got a degree. And it's worthless. It's worthless and it's bullshit. And it's expensive too. Because you haven't really learned anything. Yeah. So to me, it's like the key to doing well with online learning is you have to be very self-disciplined 
that's like 90% of the gig right there because there's nobody who's going to be in the classroom every day reminding you, hey, this thing is due, make sure you got it in. You need to get your shit together when, when you start an online course, you first thing you do is you pull out your calendar and write down that all the deadlines and plan accordingly. Be on top of it. That helps a bunch. Uh, then you start looking probably early on, you want to get a quick look at all of the material, you know, not studying it all, but just have a general a map of the territory of where you're going, what is that you can get quickly, what is that will require more energy, uh, questions they are going to ask, because realistically, if you are really interested in a topic, the course is not going to answer all your questions. So it's like how that can lead to a dialogue with the person teaching who can lead you to different resources. That's kind of the way to go. Someone said the other day, a great article should leave you with questions yep. and wanting more. And sometimes that's the way it is, right? It's kind of an amazing moment because I think, uh, I don't want to be wrong, but I think for sure MIT has pretty much every class available online. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the other big schools do too right. as well. And now it doesn't get to being a degree, but the capacity to learn at these schools levels. Absolutely. It's important. Seems like something that people would want to take advantage of, but I guess you got to play video games. So <laughs> that, That's also important. Uh, is it? <laughs> I mean, I think so less and less all the time. Yeah. As I see thousands of hours being wasted on um, goals that create Are not nothing. quite leading there, yes. So it's... Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I actually enjoy video games, but I try as much as humanly possible to hardly ever get into it because it's, it's fun for a little bit. Well, who's got some time? Exactly. But like I have 72 things that need to be done. Is... No, I mean, I can enjoy them on a small scale, but these folks are like just eight hours a day. Yeah, that's when you start wondering about the rest of your life because if... Uh... If your online presence that way is your life, it's like, look, the sun is outside. Yeah. There's birds chirping out there. Go take a look. Go put your feet on the ground. That's a bit healthier for you. It's a crazy thing. They'll even watch, um, oh, look at Azog over there in the sunshine, man. He's got it. Yeah, he's got See, it made. He's got it figured out. Sorry about that. Yeah. The puppy is out in the sunbeam. Having a wonderful time. She appears to be a little internal dream going on there. Some twitches of the feet. Yep. He's chasing those squirrels. He's eating those bastards right now as we speak. Fucking squirrels. See, I'm onlining his dog dreams. Exactly. It's come to this. Yeah. So, yeah, I, the thing, the online thing that would only worry me is these like evil, all these, the University of Phoenix and. Right. They charge people like it's a four-year university. Of course. For a bunch of shitty classes, and their accreditation is non-existent. Nice. Now, after the latest sort of scandal, will anybody have any accreditation anymore? Yeah, I know. That's part of the... And I've always wondered, I mean, Santa Monica College, people tend to love that. It's extremely popular. There aren't secret chapters that Yale and Harvard have in the back of some book somewhere, is there? I mean, it's all about the connections and being with the money people. That's yeah. where that real advantage comes from. Yeah. The knowledge, you're going to gain it if you chase it. Yeah, the big regardless universities of where you go. don't really have that much better teaching at all. than I mean, it varies, I'm sure. But like I've taught at every level from community college to state school to the big universities. 
haven't noticed a damn thing different in terms of quality of teaching. I would find the same ratio of good. If anything, I found slightly more at the community college level because those are people who actually want to teach. Yes. Whereas there's a bunch of people at the big university that don't really want to teach. They want to do the research the, exactly, and they're giant. But yeah. it's part of the contract. So, yeah, in terms of learning, it's there's the, the, the big names don't do shit. And it's all inside you. Yeah. If you want to learn it, you're going to go learn it. Yep, most definitely. If you want your mama to get you into USC and then you want to go on the news and go, I didn't really want to go to college. That's pretty funny. Woo. That's pretty weird. Yeah. She lost her makeup line, I hate to report. So sad. Uh, sad. We should, we should start uh, GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> Totally acceptable. That right. was great. Time for the big finish? Yeah. Do, 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 do. Well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Towers podcast. I thought that was a fun one. A mysterious guest. A musical break. I mean, what more could you hope for? We found out that you and John now can go on the road and take the show on. Uh... I told him I'm ready. Let's go. That was perfect. <laughs> I loved it. Absolutely. Oh, I have to do one little thing. Um, do. We were talking about Kiva a yep. couple episodes back and I think either you misheard or I mispronounced or maybe I was just crazy we're not at 150,000 it was 115 okay so I just don't want anybody to think that I'm making up stuff he pocketed the other 35,000 I wish it doesn't work that way I know but no. um but still that's great and it's actually 118 now so it continues to grow and we always awesome, invite man. you kiva.org come and join in $25 to help somebody else in the world it'd make you feel good so you will be correct in uh, you're just wrong time frame just wise time-wise, the 150 you know? will happen yeah it keeps growing like crazy it's a nutty thing big thank you to the sweet folks who have been donating to us this month Ooh. so let the pottering begin. Let's start with Mr. Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Thomas Robinson, Samuel McNichol, Ross Craneham, Lisa Robles, and, okay, Andre, I'm gonna take a second here to reread your name five times to try to even remotely come close to pronouncing it correctly. Let me try that out. Andre Garapetian. I'm wow. gonna suggest Armenian. If I'm wrong, please don't beat me. But the I-A-N at the end. I live in Glendale. Everybody has an I-A-N name <laughs> around here. So Andre Garapetian, Michael Allen, Jim D'Amico, and Matt Chebre. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. It is definitely appreciated. Yeah, you guys are rock stars. We love you. Um, we did our ad for Duke Cannon in the middle, so check those guys out. And as usual, if you can please check the Onnit website. Savannah is currently in the process of revamping our kettlebell collection because she needs to work out like a mad woman for our upcoming fight. She's doing our former guest and one of the greatest humans ever, Mr. Mark Chang, has been having her on this kettlebell regimen. Some of the exercise she has her do, I oh, sweat. Potato thing. Just yeah. Like, I can feel my arms. The hot potato is this thing where she grabs a fairly heavy kettlebell and toss it like 
imagine that it's super hot boiling and so you can't hold it and you have to toss it from hand to hand constantly. Yeah, like four inches, like fast and furious. That's insane. But yeah, good times. You could use your Duke Canyon soap to do the same thing. Right, same yeah. Weight. Or you can clean up afterwards after you have sweated a lot with Omnit products. <laughs> uh, while you are wearing a short design t-shirt, which is insanely good and amazing. And you carry it all in your Datsusara bag. So with that... Man, we put them all together in one. That, that was, was well done. I tell you what, uh, Dasa Sarawise, guys, it's been a fantastic product. And, you yep. know, things come to an end. But um, I would never besmirch in any way the fine products that um, I've been enjoying yep. almost the entire time of this. Absolutely. We're going to miss it. But, you know, all good things come to an end. Uh, Daisy House, thanks for the fine theme music that so perfectly quantifies what the Drunken Taoist is. We got grasslandbeef.com and, you know, Rich is not going to hate me the next time we get a shipment because it's going to actually... It would never be hate. No, but you're going to get... I want to share such joy. It seems very wrong for me to hoard it all to myself. (laughs) So there's that. Uh, Nevertopgear.com with the amazing rush guard design by Savannah. Uh, If you shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. That's always deeply deeply appreciated and i think with that are we officially done that's it see you next time And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been no, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about. translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. We'll, <coughs> we'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. <laughs> <laughs>